Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss NVIDIA's very smart move to get gamers geared up with GeForce. And then we're going to give you some tips and tricks on some possible ways that you can score a GPU even in this market. Then we're going to head over to the camera corner where Wendy will discuss, is there a webcam that's actually any good? So sit back, relax, and plug in because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, a resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, tell me you built a new PC, you got a GPU and installed it, you overclocked your impossible. machine, something fancy? Okay, not fancy i guess but i did a, a lot of changes to my nas where i started actually like this thing called using it and uh, it turns out they're helpful they have some use and that's cool so i can store stuff on the nas that means <laughs> that i can access it through the network who would have thought it's a it's a it's a that's fantastic thing that i discovered well i discovered it i don't know if anybody's heard about this but nas it's a very it's a very a useful device that you might want to consider putting into your repertoire of storage. So there's many types of NAS devices out there, network attached storage. You can go get my books from Western Digital. I think that they're called my book lives and those type of things. You can go buy them at your local retail store. You can upgrade to Synology and they have a whole range of different NAS devices there's a bunch of companies out there that make them. Do you remember which NAS you happen I to have, Michael? I do, oddly enough. I do. It's a Netgear Ready NAS. There you go. So is this one that you attach to your router, or does this just hang out on Wi-Fi? Uh, it connects to the router through Ethernet. Very cool. So and do you like this particular good. one? I don't have any other experience with a different one, so I have, like, I don't dislike this one so in comparison i have no comparison to give but it does work quite well the web interface i will say is quite jank i assume that most nas systems are not you know optimized in terms of like usability and whatnot but this one is a it's a it's a wonky for sure so other than that though it's quite good and it stores the now, stuff. are you just moving files over to it or do you have automatic backups and things going on uh, I'm just moving right now because I need to move all the giant files that I currently have. Now, I already did most of it, so like I think like half of it's already taken up now. But I'm going to start doing you know automation stuff. But I wanted to make sure I got all the stuff on there that I needed to be on there, and then start messing with the automation rather than how much storage does it have? Uh, right now, it only has two terabytes with the whole RAID system that it's using. So, uh, but it's four terabytes total in the drives, but it's available as like 2.2 terabytes or something. That's tiny. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I only, I started with drives I had and I am looking into uh, getting some new drives to to beef it up a bit to get like, uh, I was hoping to get like, you know, four terabyte drives. Like, Let's tell them what's really going to happen, Michael. I'm going to give you a Dell Optiplex Tower server. It's yes. going to have eight terabytes of storage in it, over a hundred 
gigabytes of RAM inside. It's going to be a beast. And I happen to have one. And when Michael comes down, I'm going to hand it to him. And then, Wendy, we're going to get tons of laughs out of seeing him try to set it up. Okay. <laughs> no, the uh, laughs will come to the point that three years later, it still won't be set up. Oh, uh, good point. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I will record it, the video of me setting it up to prove that it's set up. In a timely <laughs> manner, and with, and then you can watch that, and then make fun of me. Uh, well, but <laughs> if it was just uh, software, I'd have no doubt you could get it running. But if I just happen to accidentally unplug something before I put it in your car, that's where I'm not sure. Oh, I would be screwed. Almost, <laughs> almost. If it is, if it's any of the, like the the motherboard like component switcher things, if it's the obvious stuff like the RAM is not connected, I'll figure that out. All but right. we'll, we'll the, put it to the test. It'll be it a hardware a, addict special. I'll, yeah, I don't. Uh, let's just let's just make sure it's let's make it easy for me. I like that better. Nah. Hey, Wendy, Dang. what have you been up to? <laughs> I got a new printer. So if you listen to the last Linux Den that dropped, you've heard that I picked up an HP Color Laser Pro MFP M479FDW. Holy crap, that's still a mouthful. No, that just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, I mean, doesn't it, just, it though? Just flow, it flows so well. I figured that you would love that, Michael. It's just right yeah. up to your standards. MFP M four seven nine FDW. That is just so good branding. Wow! Absolutely. <laughs> and if you had listened to that episode, I had just picked up the printer. Now I've had it for almost a week, and I'm actually really loving this thing. I didn't understand how awesome laser printers were until I got this. And scanning is something we do all the time around this house. And the first time I went to scan something, I was used to, you put the paper in, you walk away and do something for 30 seconds, and then you can come back and it's up on the screen. No, it was instantaneous. I didn't have time to do anything else between it scanning and showing up on my screen. I guess that's what happens when you have eight-year newer hardware. That would, that does make sense that you would do it that way. And it, what's interesting is that you talk about like, you know, when you did a printer, everybody knows about printer jams and it's one of the most annoying things of the paper jam and all that stuff. So sometimes you got to put the paper in, take the paper out and put it back in and then shake it all about. Wow. Do the hokey dad, pokey. And he did all around. of that for her dad <laughs> joke. I did. Man. You're welcome. <laughs> so the laser printers are amazing. The color laser printers tend to be more, far more expensive, but equally amazing if you get your hands on one. And the overall costs of them tend to be, once you get over the initial purchase price and stuff, worth it in the end. I don't know that you could say that it's less than an inkjet. I really don't know. I've never done the comparison, but it's worth it. It's faster. It dries quicker. The quality is better. It's just all around, they're better printers. Yeah, and Everything they got lasers. General. Yeah, that's true. It has definitely been way crisper than the inkjet printer, for sure. And speed is undeniably faster. Of course, it's a little bit harder to compare, because like I said, the printer before this was actually pretty dang close to nine years old. We're almost to nine years since I bought the printer. So considering that it's nine years old, it was still doing pretty good for the most part. But the upgrade, I was really back and forth. I couldn't decide if I wanted to go ahead and spend the money on the laser. And after doing some re more research, 
the feedback we had from Mario, Nate brought the same printer that I have. So of course, I bugged the crap out of him before I bought it, asking him questions and how it was working and all of that great stuff. Thank you, fellow network hosts, for putting up with me and all my questions. And I absolutely love it. We do have to talk about costs, though, because they are more expensive than your inkjet printers. I actually haven't told my husband how much it costs. He asked if he wanted to know. And oh, I told he listens him, to this show. No. He does listen to the show. <laughs> Tune out right him- <laughs> now, Magneto. Come back in 10, 15 seconds. Then you're good. Uh, yeah, I told him he didn't want to know because they really are more expensive. And I was having a really hard time dropping that money on a printer Then as I was talking to the salesperson at Best Buy and we're going back and forth between two different versions of the laser printer and the one that I bought on one black cartridge, you can print 2,100 pages. To replace that cartridge is only $84. So I will let you break down what it costs per page. So much better than what we've been buying. So yes, if you had to replace... All of the colors and your black at the same time, uh, don't. Just don't. But yeah. overall, through the life of the printer, it will be saving us quite a bit of money per page. Very nice. So HP seems to be a going theme, and you have a new HP that you've been playing with too. Another HP. So I've wrapped up my HP series. I found an HP for everyone. And why would you want to go with HP? Maybe you've had a bad experience with them in the past. Well, I took another look at HP back when I did a video on all of the kind of terrible things going on in the technology world with slave and forced labor. And the one company across all the companies that go through and rank technology companies that really try to improve their supply chain, HP was at the top. And so I know a lot of people have had varying results with HP. So I went to find the best options that they have, something for travel something in between, you know, a desktop replacement, but still good for travel, and then a gaming graphic design laptop. And that landed me on the HP Omen video that I have out right now on the Dos Geek channel, where you can check out their gaming options they have through this Omen lineup. I have the 15-inch 2020 Omen, and it is really a fantastic machine. You can check out the video and see all of the good things and some of the negative things about it or the things I would like to see change. But overall, I have had such a good time with the HP Omen. It will be, it will have a permanent spot in my lineup of laptops. Not a lot of laptops, as you know, last very long around here. So it's it's definitely one of my favorites. Wow, that's shocking. I mean, when you say you say you go through hardware like candy. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. And uh, those who've been following the show know I have a new laptop probably every other week, practically. So for what some of them stay longer than others, the HP Omen, the reason I like it so much is its versatility as a desktop replacement. I can literally go and edit my YouTube videos, render those YouTube videos, game with my son. And if you're using Garuda Linux on it, because it is fully repairable and you can upgrade everything from the RAM to through to adding in a second NVMe M2 drive in there can have mm-hmm. dual boot mode so I can play Fortnite and Windows with my son and then boot the Garuda Linux, Arch Linux, which works amazing with the Omen right there. One thing I want HP to work on is definitely their Linux support overall, uh, much like Dell and Lenovo have. But what they're doing in their supply chain is so important to me that uh, finding a good solution for HP laptops for everyone out there, whether you're in Windows, Linux, doesn't matter. The Omen's definitely one to keep on your Christmas list. 
This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean announced a new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With the app platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. You simply point your, Git, your GitHub or your GitLab repository to the app platform, and you let it do all the heavy lifting for you. It handles uh, app runtimes and uh, de dependency management and stuff like that. It has support for many programming languages like Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby. It also has support for static sites, Docker, and container images. And you get high scalability with zero infrastructure management because like I mentioned, it handles the runtimes and the dependencies so you can push the code to production in just a few clicks. And also it makes it possible to run code with little to no customization because the app platform uses open cloud native standards and automatically analyzes your code creates containers, and runs them on Kubernetes clusters. And as a listener of the Hardware Addicts podcast and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. Actually, better than free, because DigitalOcean is giving you $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN and get your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's app platform. I want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. Now, when a new GPU releases, or rumored nowadays, the results on forum comments or all over the internet is a big so what. Even the big YouTubers who get this equipment really can't even build hype for it because nobody can get their hands on anything. I was actually perusing some of the Reddit forums when AMD had one of their new releases they were talking about for a GPU, and every single comment was just making fun of, like, yeah, it's a unicorn, I'll never get one, who cares? It's a completely different world than it was when we started Hardware Addicts, and if a new GPU dropped, everyone would be so pumped and psyched and want to see the benchmarks, but because nobody can get any of these things, it really means people have really lost their love for these designs or care for it, because it's kind of like, I don't know, trying to buy real estate and looking at million-dollar homes when you've only got $100,000 to spend. Like, what's the point? Well, NVIDIA is trying to do something about this. Now, it's not a perfect solution, but they're trying to get NVIDIA GeForce into the hands of actual gamers. Now, we've talked about this on the show that because of all the mining, and there are other things too, but a big one is the miners and the scalpers out there grabbing up all of these cards. There is a massive amount of cards that have been produced. I mean, it, it's just, it's insane when you look at some of these mining solution, the pictures, they have literally walls covered with GPUs that they've purchased to do mining with. There is so many of them out there. And if Bitcoin crashes, which I invest in Bitcoin, I like cryptocurrency and those type of things. But if it crashes as it's had in the past and other markets do as well, like the stock market things, there's just going to be an influx of these things on the market. And you've got a whole bunch of people who are probably going to consoles and other things that they can get their hands on instead of PC gaming. So this is a big problem. So I'm happy to see NVIDIA actually taking the time to do something about it. And what they did is they unveiled an updated driver, 466.27, to reduce the mining capability, specifically of the 3060 by 50%. And in the notes for the driver, it states this driver updates the hash limiter for the GeForce RTX 3060 12 gigabyte and is required for the product to be shipped from the manufacturer starting in mid-May. This is very interesting. They tried to do this before, but they messed up. They actually tried to keep the 3060 from being able to mine before, but then right after created a beta driver that somebody released on their site that actually undid the 
uh, firmware update that allowed it, that, that kept it, so they kept the limiter, the hash limiter on. So what they're doing now is they're they're basically enforcing it back with a new updated driver to try to make it so that this is not an attractive card for miners to get their hands on. What do you all think about this solution? At this point, it's better than nothing. I hate to see firmware added to hardware that limits its uses. I want people to get the most out of their hardware regardless of what it is. But at the same time, I'm one of those people who A, can't get my hands on a graphics card, even though I really do need an update. And B, I'm really tired of all of the people that are spending exorbitant amounts of money on these cards and keeping it artificially high. So I'm torn between the two. Part of me is against this type of firmware upgrade and part of me is like maybe i can get a card sometime in the next two years now i think it's interesting and i i do think that it's something that they needed to do i mean it's surprising that it's taken them this long to come up with something that is viable and also i don't even think amd has a solution yet and it's it's a weird thing and i think that wendy's point about how it's you're purposely limiting the hardware but you're limiting it for a, a specific purpose Normally, that would be annoying to see a company forcibly bottleneck their their hardware. But in the in the current world and reality that we have, where the GPUs are pretty much impossible to find, it does make sense that they would do something like this. So I'm glad that they're doing it. At least it makes it possible for maybe people can start getting the GPUs that want to do games and just want to use them for the normal purpose that the GPU is made for. And I wonder why it's just the 3060. Why couldn't it be not necessarily the top of the line card, but more the mid-range instead of the bottom? It's an interesting question. I actually was quite happy that they chose to do it only on one card, although I agree with you. I kind of wish it was the 3070. But I was impressed that they chose their lowest cost card here to, to do that with because I think that's more obtainable by most people I'm I'm happy they didn't do it on all of their lineup because I think that would be very limiting for individuals if maybe they're buying the 3090 because they can afford it because they want to mine a little bit and they want to game with it. Um, so that makes sense. But you've got to be able to get these into individuals' hands. The way the driver is going to work is it's going to detect specific attributes of the Ethereum cryptocurrency mining algorithm. And then that limits the hash rate or mining efficiency when it detects those algorithms for that card. But Nvidia wasn't done because they're actually creating another solution that I think kind of packages this all together really good. They have a new CMP HX crypto cards that are designed specifically hmm. for mining that they are ramping up. They're going to be sold through their authorized partners and optimized for performance and mining and efficiency. They don't need all of the uh, capabilities that the gaming cards have. Their whole purpose will be for a lower peak core voltage and frequency and improve the mining power efficiency all the way around. So it's a win-win for miners because one of the biggest issues with running hundreds of these cards in a room is it generates insane amounts of heat. So these, and, and it costs tons of money to continue to power them. So I really like this package solution here where on one side, hey, short term, Let's get this 3060 and, and get it in hands of actual gamers by limiting it through the drivers. Although the odds that they will be able to keep people from hacking it, I think, are pretty small. We'll see if they're able to effectively keep these miners who are quite 
proficient with getting around some of these barriers and things in the past from wanting to slurp up all these cards. But long term, if they can get these miners to utilize these new crypto cards, I think we'll have a market that finally starts to return the cards to the gamers that they were meant for. That's much. Yeah, I like it. My favorite part about this is when someone who has been mining goes to resell them, you can look at the model number and see that this was specifically built for crypto mining. One of my biggest worries is as these used cards go on the market, people are going to buy these burnt out cards that have been running nonstop at really high heats, as you were talking about. They generate a ton of heat, especially when all packed together, and now they're not running at full capacity. They're not running like they're meant to to be playing games. So these people will be spending money on cards that are not as good as they're supposed to be, that will not have the life that they're supposed to have. And in general, this is going to be something that both NVIDIA and AMD are going to have to overcome because it'll leave a very bad taste in the mouth of people that don't understand what crypto mining does to those graphics cards. That's a really good point. As somebody who loves to purchase GPUs and all of a lot of my hardware secondhand, this has become a major issue that I never had to deal with in the past that I don't know if the card I'm getting was actually used. Some people will say it, that they used it for crypto mining, but a lot of people won't. And so you're getting this card and you finally get your hands on one. It's still very expensive. You're saving a couple hundred dollars. You shove it in your machine. Maybe it works for a month and then crashes or has periodic failing and you don't know why it's because probably somebody was crypto mining it with it potentially but you don't have any return options there so it does create an issue for the used market for sure and these gpus do get stressed to the point that's why they have to have not only hundreds of these cards for their mining operations but hundreds of backup cards so that they can basically replace them as they burn out it's a very interesting problem but i am so thrilled that where a lot of people were saying there's no way the GPU manufacturers even care about this problem, but I think long-term they should, and we've made that case in prior episodes, NVIDIA is actually going to try and do something about it, despite the fact they're making insane profits. I mean, it must be great. The second you make a GPU, it is sold. That's a great place to be, but they also want to make sure that they have long-term fans for their products, and I think this is a good start. A couple things that they're doing to accomplish that. I don't think the driver thing is going to be hugely successful, but it's something. But I love the having the dedicated cryptocurrency graphics cards long-term. I think it's brilliant. And to what you said, Michael, AMD isn't doing anything that I know of have responded to this in any way and are looking quite lame in comparison, which is unusual <laughs> for AMD lately. But we got to call a spade a spade. I haven't heard any news of AMD doing anything like this, and they need to step up and do something to get the cards in the hands of gamers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, AMD is, you know, it, for years, it's been the go-to card for a lot of people uh, because of the power and the price and comparison and that stuff. But now that it's, you know, everybody looks at GPUs as a joke in terms of like, you can't get them anyway, why care? And seeing NVIDIA actually do something about it is fantastic. I mean, whether they're successful or not, at least they're trying and they, it also makes it possible that in the future, the second hand sees a three thirty sixty, and you're like, oh, they'll since this, it's, it's it was made after mid May, so it probably doesn't have mining because it's not efficient. They could just probably use something else. So there, it might be bringing that back too as well. So it's like a secondary benefit in them doing this. So hopefully AMD sees the light and starts 
figuring out something on their own. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if they respond to this. And it's important to note that while we talk a lot about miners, they're not the only issue here. Of course, you have your scalpers as well impacting supply, which I think we can all agree we don't like them. Miners, we kind of get it, but we still want our GPUs. That scalpers, you know, they're lame. They're the worst. Yeah. But this issue actually is extending outside of just GPUs. If you haven't noticed, everybody is getting impacted from the ability to get chips built, manufactured, and out to the, to the point where you're seeing a lot of companies now announcing delays. And this is even hitting car manufacturers because a lot of cars have computers in them now. And they're not able to produce as many cars as they want to or get them out into the lots which is creating an interesting problem that I ran into recently where I was looking for a car, but there were no chips available and they basic and basically they were only selling what they had on the lot and you could order something, but it could be weeks out. So this is just impacting from the coronavirus situation that took place to the miners, to the scalpers, to just the demand out there because of work from home and everything else. It's just created this really interesting problem that I didn't expect us to ever deal with, which is all of these things that utilize these chips inside are starting to get strangled in their supply chain. It's going to be an interesting hardware addicts year for us. That's for sure. That brings up a really good point. If you have a device that needs a chip and then needs a repair, that puts you as a person who needs a repair in a really tight spot. Not only are those chips going to cost more, but you be you may be down a very long time before that replacement part is actually in your hands. That's a very good point, and I don't want people to get depressed. So on this show, we're not a bunch of negative Nancys or negative Newmans. Is that the equivalent negative Newman? I don't know, but I, I'm good with it. Yeah, We're going to go with it? Okay. We don't want you to be a bunch of negative Newmans. So you know what? We're going to give you some tips on how you can get your hands on the GPU in this market. The first option you have is to pay 10 times what it's worth on eBay. Okay, Done. that's a terrible option. Deal. That's, Wait, okay, yeah. sorry. That's probably not the best option. <laughs> the <laughs> second best option Please don't. that I found out there is to join Newegg's Shuffle Program. If it's available in your country, because this podcast goes to like, what, 190 countries now. So if it's available in your country, I don't know if it's available everywhere, but Newegg Shuffle, Newegg is a big hardware reseller and they have a really decent reputation out there. Some people have had bad experiences in the past. Most of my experience with Newegg has been Newegg has been fantastic. They have a shuffle program where they generally create bundles. So you may have to get a power supply with it or you can get a motherboard with it if you're doing a new build. It's definitely helpful. They're selling it at MSRP or very close to it. So you're not paying an insane amount for those components. They, they prefer the bundle, but they do have options throughout their shuffles, which take place every single day where they have some of the cards just by themselves. And basically, this is a lottery for gamers. And they are, as I understand it, kind of making sure that people, scalpers and things like that can't keep coming back and getting uh, in line for these. And they'll email you if you win the shuffle. And it's kind of a lottery system, basically, that runs from 10 a.m., Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern to 12 p.m. Pacific time or 3 p.m. Eastern. And it happens on nearly every weekday out there. So that's an option for you to get your hands on the GPU. That's a pretty cool solution. Another option is to stalk your stores that sell hardware like micro centers. A lot of people have had success just going in the, their specific stores in their region. Micro center is pretty big here. 
in the US if you have one. And if you're stalking it, you make friends with the staff, you find out when they're getting stock, or you just show up the moment they open, uh, maybe once a week to try to get it. A lot of people have had success doing that. If they can start to kind of learn when they get their stock in and those type of things, then they're able to snag one up locally in their stores. It's going to be weird when people start like, you know, this becomes a thing that happens all the time. And then the people who work there be like, there's a lot of nice people out there now. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's so nice to us in customer service. My job's so different. They're probably going to hate us and send us. They know exactly yeah, why. Like they'll send us emails like stop encouraging them to come to the stores. It's crazy <laughs> out here. Yeah. The other one that I think is interesting is forums on Discord that are used for Black Friday shopping traditionally. So there's these groups of people who are savvy shoppers or they set up macro programs and those type of things that like to help others acquire goods. Generally during Black Friday is when they really start to heat up. I know this because my wife utilizes them quite a bit. They'll find stuff for each other because some people, you know, they want the latest Barbie and the other person wants the latest Nerf gun or whatever it is. And one person will find things and they'll trade. Other times it's just alerts to say, hey, these re retailers have stock. So there's a specific site, Zoolert.com, which has a Discord forum set up where you go to Zoolert, you sign up through Discord and it alerts you. It's searching through this one's particular room is automation and it alerts you the second it finds some stock somewhere. And of course, again, everybody's going for it at the exact same time. So it does create some difficulty in getting one. But it's more of a chance than you would have just randomly popping up because you'll at least get those alerts and you can set what the alerts, what type of card set off your alerts. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, and it searches hundreds of different retailers, that wow. might help you snag one up. This is really cool as a concept, just in general, like the Black Friday thing or just any kind of shopping value. Like, I didn't know these things existed, and I would like to give a virtual fist bump to everybody involved in making this because that is just a cool idea. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. And then there's finally a YouTube channel out there called Fix It, Fix It, Fix It. I've not had much luck with this one specifically, but there's about 482 people, for instance, right now as we're recording this, watching this YouTube channel, it will give a live notification alert if one of the cards drop and you can see which cards it's searching for. A lot of people just sit in this live room. What a great YouTube channel idea, by the way. It's a fantastic wait. way of getting live stream viewers. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, and they just sit in this room, wait for an alert and it will tell you, Hey, Walmart's got one in stock right now, order now, or whatever site has it. And it will allow you to pick up and grab one of these cards here. And it's kind of a neat live view that shows you if they're out of stock or in stock and when the last time, for instance, just 14 minutes ago, an EVGA 3070 hit Amazon that you could pick up. So just to give you an idea. So those are the best ideas I have. Now, if you have some cool ways that you found of getting your hands on a GPU, email us. Send us an email to comments at destinationlinux.org and we will make sure we get them into the show because we want to help get GPUs in the hands of gamers out there. But huge shout out to NVIDIA for doing something in this crazy market to get the GPUs in the gamers' hands. This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentications, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords 
safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host it, plus they do security audits and share that information with you. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. So Wendy, take us into the camera corner. Is there actually a good webcam out there? I started doing research on this because I was thinking I really needed to upgrade my webcam. I've had it for years. I believe it is the C922. So it came out January of 2012. This is pretty old hardware. And as I'm doing the research for it, the short answer is not really. Webcams in general mm, pretty much suck. But we'll go over why they're not all that great and maybe some alternatives that you can use if you're not ready to make that upgrade to a mirrorless camera as your webcam. This is really interesting to me because I received some comments recently on a very old video I have on my channel comparing webcams. And one of the comments was, remember when these were actually in stock? And then the second one was, remember, I can't believe in your video, these things only cost $50. So apparently right. webcams are also something that's having a stock issue, even trying to find a quality one, but that people are running out of stock on them and or the prices have jacked up considerably, probably since people started working from home, which makes this even more interesting. I have a funny story that attached to that, that you, uh, you had that video, you're talking about the one you made like four years ago or something, right? Because it was like, it was a while Yeah, back. that's the one. Yep. yep. So I uh, was, someone was talking to me about getting a webcam for their doing like Zoom calls and whatnot. And during like, uh, it was like last year's, I think June, somewhere around there. And they were asking me like, uh, is there like, what do you have a suggestion for a webcam? Like, it's really hard to find a webcam and all these things. The prices were like, they're not as bad as they used to be, but they got jacked up like huge last year. And they were asking me for stuff and they're like, well, is this one good? And they sent they sent me a video that was yours to see if it was a if this person was a, a good uh, representation nice. of a review. And I was like, oh my god, that's amazing! So you're like, heck no, he's not. Well, I I told them up up front that of course I said that, but I also clarified uh, that it's, <laughs> it's 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 probably good. And and I checked it and looked at the camera, the webcam. It was like the it was a C seven or C nine twenty or whatever compared to the B whatever numbers who knows who can remember those things but it, it was it was an interesting thing because the way you compared the two was also pretty cool so uh, they did get the other b one which at the time was reasonably priced and nice. it worked out quite well i mean they also didn't want the best camera ever so uh, they it's, just wanted a decent one yeah. yeah just something that worked and when it comes to webcams that's pretty much what you're going to be getting you're going to be getting something uh decent something will work but when it comes to image quality, none of them are fantastic. And one of the reasons that, that is they all have these teeny tiny little sensors in them. You can't get away from that. That's just part of them being able to be moved around, sit on top of your monitor, all of that kind of good stuff. They're going to have smaller sensors in them. Then your computer actually does most of the image processing. We've talked about cameras and phones especially the Apple ones lately, where they have heavy-duty processors in there manipulating that data to put 
to put the best image out there that's collected from that sensor. Or we can go DSLR and mirrorless. They have dedicated processors that take that sensor data to create the image from. Now, if you are having most of that done on your computer, what the image quality looks like really depends on the system you are using. I found a really interesting video that showed this in crazy fashion. There were some cameras that on two different computers looked like two completely different webcams. So the computer you're using really can make a difference, especially on the lower end models of webcams. Those would be traditionally the 20 to maybe $75 webcams. If you go up above that, you seem to be doing a little bit better on quality. One of the things that I've noticed consistently across them, Logitech gives you the best image across most systems. They seem to be less hardware dependent and the device themselves, the hardware themselves puts out a generally better picture overall for a webcam. But all of the webcams, you'll either have undersaturation, oversaturation, stuff that gets washed out really bad. And that's one of the things that I've noticed about my webcam in particular. It's really easy for there to be hotspots. Now, what's a hotspot? It's an area where you have completely lost detail in the brightest parts of the image or that dynamic range that we've talked about before. Most of them really don't have great dynamic range. On the more expensive webcams, you're looking at the fact that they typically have better dynamic range and that's because they come with software where you can tweak some of those settings and they usually have better microphones. If you're wanting to do a podcast, do not rely on a microphone from any webcam. I don't care how much it costs. None of them are going to be podcast quality. But if you need it to get through a Zoom meeting for work, something for the kids for school, those mics are absolutely fine. And depending on the brand, and in this case, really how much you spend on them makes a difference in that mic quality of that webcam. I think all of that is fantastic advice and very close to the experiences I've had. It's interesting to me that Logitech is pretty much the only big player in this game. I think there was an announcement Microsoft was releasing another version of their camera coming up, and that was one of the only competitors at a time against Logitech, but there really is no big names out there. Of course, there's a lot of knockoffs. And the the variety in quality for those knockoffs is the the range is so high that it's really often not worth it to grab one of those. Logitech is kind of the standard when it comes to it. And the 922 is one of my favorite versions of their camera. But I do get the question a lot. I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to start podcasting. You're not going to use the mic in any of those for those purposes. And you're just going to get an okay image that you'll need to adjust and have some decent lighting to pull it off. But the worst camera out there I found, and I haven't used it in a long time in fairness, was the 4K, I think it's called Brio from Logitech. This was not a good camera at all. Yeah, it's also quite expensive. Yeah, and this is one of those cases where you really need to be reading the reviews that come directly 
from either reviewers on YouTube or reading the reviews on the website you're buying it from because not all of them are that great. And it really comes down to maybe some of the firmware that is attached to those cameras. And really, you don't need a 4K web camera. That's overkill, especially as you're streaming and most of what everybody is seeing, especially if you're doing it for games, is the game Mm -hmm. itself. If you're playing games, the 1080p is just fine. It's wasting money to get the 4K. And if you're big enough to make some money off of it, then go with the Sony mirrorless. But I'll also tell you why your computer makes a big difference is the USB ports that you have inside your computer. So if you have an older machine, you're going to have much slower ports, and that's going to basically create a bottleneck for uh, getting that data through from your machine, your CPU, to your webcam itself. That's going to create some problems as well. So if you've noticed you're not getting the quality that you see other people out of the same cam, try a different port. could be your problem. Absolutely. And you brought up a really good point before. Lighting makes a difference. So if you can't upgrade or decided, ah, maybe it's really not a very good idea to upgrade my webcam, one of the things you can do is improve your lighting. Either DIY or use something fairly cheap like a white foam core board to balance light back to you and help make sure that your camera can get the best picture that it possibly can. There are some other cameras that do a fairly decent job and Razer has some of those. But in those cases, you're all looking at $150 to $200 for a webcam. Instead of going that route, instead of spending that much money on a webcam, which only job is to sit there and, well, be a webcam, you can buy a used action camera. So these are the GoPros, the Insta360s, especially the used ones. They have really good image quality. Most of them can attach to your computer using a device. You can get a capture card like the Atomos that I picked up for just $75. Well, 70 to 80 depending on where you buy it from, and then connect that to one of these travel cameras or action camera styles. This way, when you go to upgrade from that action camera, you have the capture card already for that mirrorless or that DSLR. Plus, you can get a used in really good shape action camera for $60 to $50 right now way better than one of these overpriced webcams. The GoPro 4 right now you can find on eBay for $70 to $50 and some of them come with all of the gear that goes with that webcam or with that action camera. One of the running themes for streamers right now, especially game streamers, is to have one of those ultra wide lenses. So as you're playing the game, They can see you playing the game anywhere from the keyboard and your reactions and all of the cool design stuff you've got going on in your room. But in software, especially with one of these cameras that is meant for using in the real world, you have so many hardware settings directly in the camera that you can adjust some of that. And if you go with one of these older 4K cameras that's meant for action shots, you can crop in and really not lose any resolution. The other thing I see people doing, and it requires some hacking and playing around, if you're somebody who likes to do that type of stuff, then this might be an option for you, is they use their phones. 
and they're able to get certain software to work that allows them to utilize their phone as their webcam. The problem with this is if you're relying on it to do streaming and things, there's reliability issues potentially there with the solutions way you're kind of hacking it to get it to actually function or get recognized. Absolutely. I think one of the apps I looked at is right around $8 and has pretty good reviews. So it is one place that you can start. I would recommend that if you're going to use your phone, for like if you're going to do videos uh, with your phone, that's fantastic. Feel free to do that. But if you wanted to do like webcam, they do tend to run really hot using those, those software. So it might not be the best thing for a long-term thing. Maybe do it until you can get like maybe the prices go down and then do it, but don't like rely on the phone because if you're using it, uh, you know, at all times and you have it on and then occasionally you have it for hours running, it could damage the battery and whatnot, just, you know, and that kind of thing. Or get the Zeus ROG with a fan on the back and then you don't have to worry about it. But at the point you can afford that, I guess you could just get a webcam. Yeah. All right, Wendy, anything else we should know about webcams or does that wrap us up? That wraps us up for this discussion. And thank you guys so much for participating. And you had tons of feedback to go in on this topic this week. We've all lived this world of webcams. When I started my YouTube channel five years ago now, when Michael was doing his stuff, we've all gone through the pain of finding the right webcam. It's embarrassing to look back at some of my videos last week, uh, but also five years ago. And uh, and see the quality and terribleness that was there, but people looked mm-hmm. past it. And at the end of the day, what people were coming for is you and your content and the webcams aren't the biggest deal. So don't, if you're doing this for anything outside of, you know, you need it for work and, and calls and things like that, you're doing it because you want to start a YouTube channel or Twitch things, spend your money elsewhere, spend more time just focusing on what you're going to talk about and have fun with. Because at the end of the day, the webcam isn't going to make the show. Yeah. Webcams are good enough. Any kind of camera is good enough as long as it's not a potato. Otherwise, it's fine. And uh, a potato. Yeah. I like right? that. But also, you know, audio is way more important when it comes to any kind of media content. So put if you have something to spend, look towards audio. That's a good advice there. Well, that's it. Our 35th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your biweekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the amazing content on the Destination Linux network. Head to destinationlinux.network to check out the amazing podcasts and YouTube partners available. There is so much to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time for another laser-powered episode of Hardware Addicts, which are always in stock and never hash limited. Nice. Oh, and one more thing, people. There, there's Hardware Addicts merchandise now oh, on yeah. DLNstore.com. That's right. It's insane. There's, there's you need to go there. Tons of stuff. Shirts, mugs, hoodies, hats, all sorts of stuff. DLNstore.com. And a PPS, if you want to join DLN Extend live, make sure you check the link in description and be there on May 19th. Well, P-P-P-P-S, I just won the last word. Bye, everyone.